This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and, best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com cultivate, that's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show. Hi, my name is Josh Shell, host of the Let's Start a Cult podcast, the only podcast that can predict your future. That's right, Fred, I can predict your future. And I'm here to tell you to invest in Dogecoin, the next big thing. <laughs> now, with that evil prediction out of the way, I'd like to introduce to you my guest this episode. He is from the dark and fascinating podcast, True Consequences, a true crime and mystery podcast with stories based in New Mexico and the American desert Southwest. Please welcome to The Covenant, Eric Carter Landon. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Josh. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on. So were you hit with the the snowstorm that's currently ravaging the southern United States? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're used to snow here, though, so it didn't hit us as bad as Texas got got hit, but... <laughs> Cause they're not used to it, but we definitely are. So it was, a, it was significant. It was about four days of snow straight. So. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm from Canada, so we experienced that almost constantly for about nine months of the year. <laughs> so I feel your pain, although I, you know, it's a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys lose power or anything like that? Oh no. Like I said, we're used to that here. So, you know, our, our grid can handle it and, and <laughs> our, our pipes can handle it. It's, it's built for the cold. So. Perfect. Well, that's good. Well, if you need to be heated up a little bit, I'll light up your life with this cult and that those puns will make sense in a second. <laughs> I can't wait. In today's episode of Let's Start a Cult, we will be discussing the story of a new age organization that brutally stabbed a three-month-old baby, and the belief that he was the Antichrist and the harbinger of the apocalypse. And if that wasn't messed up enough, the group also caused the death of over 50 of its members. The horrible cult we are talking about today is the Order of the Solar Temple. Solar Temple, light, yeah, there's the pun. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, have you heard of the Order of the Solar Temple before? I have, and it is a creepy, messed-up cult, for sure. Perfect. Well, then you'll have some insight on this that, that hopefully will 
if I miss something, you'll you'll swoop in and, and let me know. <laughs> uh, slow down, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to learn a bit about the Order of the Solar Temple? I'd love to. Yes. Okay. <laughs> if you said no, we just ended there, and then then, it's uh, over. <laughs> the podcast is over. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hop into it. Joseph de Marlborough was a prominent Swiss figure in the New Age movement, which was a philosophy that originated in the West, emphasizing spiritualism, mysticism, and to some degree, environmentalism. While eclectic, these ideas gained traction throughout the 1970s and became increasingly popular in the succeeding decade. This led to the creation of the organizations that were geared specifically towards promoting such ideas and bringing believers together. One of these was the Center for the Preparation of the New Age which Joseph founded in 1976. A few years later, in 1978, he created yet another one called the Golden Way Foundation. So spiritual groups back then were clearly the modern-day podcasts everyone's making, <laughs> and you can never make enough, right? Well, it's funny you say that because I always joke to my friends that I want to start a cult now. Like, that's the next evolution <laughs> from podcaster, right? Like, that's what you go to. I just skipped that step. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just dump straight into making a cult. But uh, yeah, I said that, that's a that's very true. It's a it's similar. There's a following. They kind of just listen to you. It's mm-hmm. it's a weird meta thing. This is weirdly meta right now. <laughs> Both groups proved to be immensely popular in Switzerland, and Joseph was quickly able to gather a large number of followers, all of whom believed that participating in the organization's activities would help them prepare their bodies and spirits to enter the new world. So very cult-like, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. <laughs> While Joseph was busy amassing followers from across Switzerland, another man, Luc Jure, was making a name for himself as one of the most prominent homeopathic practitioners in France. To further his knowledge, he traveled around the world in search of spiritual and alternative forms of healing from other cultures. The Philippines, China, Peru, and India were among many of the countries he visited. I feel like that is the uh, the playbook for how to start a cult, right? You go and like copy everybody else's spirituality and turn it into some kind of hybrid package deal that you can sell to somebody. Mishmash, yeah. And actually, that's yeah. funny that you say that because uh, when we get to the cult, it is actually a mishmash of a bunch of <laughs> ideas. So very true. In addition to his private homeopathy practice in France, Luke also became known as one of the best lecturers on holistic health. Thanks to his charismatic and engaging personality, the presentations that he gave drew hundreds of people, with everyone in the crowd enraptured by what he was saying. During the early 1980s, he received an invitation from the Geneva-based Golden Way Foundation to hold a special lecture for its members. He accepted the request and found himself becoming fast friends with the organization's founder and leader, Joseph de Marlborough, whom he saw as a kindred spirit. So they're, they're coming together with their, with their organizations. Let's just join our crazy forces and make one giant crazy fun time. <laughs> it's like the old uh, the old uh, commercial. Um, he got peanut butter in my chocolate. They're they're like he's chocolate. He's peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the two realized that they shared the same set of beliefs and saw in each other strengths that they themselves lacked. For instance, Joseph admired Luke's innate magnetism, while his own ability to attract followers like a moth to a flame appealed to the homeopathic physician. It didn't take them long to understand that they could further their ideologies by working together. And so the two men decided to found an organization that would bring together like-minded people whom they could impart their philosophies on. Code for brainwash. <laughs> Code word for get out of there, red alert. <laughs> run, run. <laughs> In 1984, they were finally able to achieve this dream 
The name of the group that they created when translated from the original French into English was Reese's Pieces. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 no, it was the, the International Chivalric Organization of the Solar Traditions. And that is a mouthful. So soon, soon it was shortened to Order of the Solar Temple or OST. I mean, if it doesn't sound like a made-up religion yet, like that is enough to... Red flag, red flag, everybody. Yeah. You know, keep it short. <laughs> Christianity, Islam, it's just one word. <laughs> right. It's easy to say, easy to remember. <laughs> but it, it's a good call that they changed it too, because like Order of the Solar Temple sounds way cooler. Like it sounds like almost something you'd find in Skyrim or something. Like Yeah, yeah or like a, a knockoff of the Avengers or something. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, like <laughs> it's the, the age of the Order of the Solar Temple. <laughs> it's, that's the next uh, movie when Thanos is gone. So Exactly. Joseph and Luke sought to combine the New Age movement with the Evangelical Christian Doctrine with the goal of recreating the Medieval Knights Templar and the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. So as you were saying, Eric, there's the combination of the two. They're like the Knights Templar and the Order of the Golden Dawn, which I'll get into. The, okay. the Knights Templar, <laughs> yeah, for those of like, because not everyone knows what these are, but the Knights Templar played a critical role during the crusade in the 12th century. They were a massive organization that consisted of devout Christians who were issued special rights by Pope Innocent II which enabled them to carry out military operations while protecting Europeans on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. They were spurred by their religious fervor, and with their internal code of conduct prohibiting them from retreating, the Knights Templar quickly established themselves as fierce warriors capable of bringing down entire Islamic armies. Thousands of people across the world both feared and admired the organization. And that's what you want, I think. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you're going for, then cool, but... I don't want that. <laughs> no, I mean, as an army, I guess that's a good thing, right? You want to be fear. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. As a new age religious practice. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite the... Might be a little dramatic. Yeah. Just a little dramatic. <laughs> we never back down. It's like, all right, chill, dude. I just wanted to meditate or whatever. <laughs> I'm just here for the brainwash weekend. Come on. <laughs> on the other hand, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was a secret society active during the late 19th century whose followers devoted themselves to the study and practice of the occult. They were widely regarded as a magical order due to the fact that their activities involved metaphysics, the paranormal, and spiritual development. I mean, right off the bat, two, two excellent groups to base your new order on. Right, so we have fundamentalist Christianity mixed <laughs> with magic. It's like oil and water. Well, is it? Because, I mean, Jesus did magic. Technically, if we want to get technical well, about it. <laughs> I, true. I think if you ask if you ask like a fundamentalist Christian, then they would say it would be oil and water. But true. I can see I can see the appeal of blending them together for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. You mean everything's better with a little bit of magic, you know? It's like when you mix all the colors of the play-doh together and then you get this like ugly gray <laughs> mass. It's kind of like that. <laughs> Just worse than you thought it would be. <laughs> Way worse, and it gets out of hand really fast. Uh. Joseph and Luke, however, believed that combining the ideologies of these two influential groups would allow them to survive the impending apocalypse. More than that, they admired the strict hierarchy that characterized both the Knights Templar and the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Are you even a cult if you don't have an apocalypse plan? No, I, that is like, I want to say 90% of all cults right. are 
the world's going to end someday, right? <laughs> and actually they take a lot of their, their end days from Christianity. I will say like, it's like the second coming of Jesus or whatever. Like that's kind of their, their mindset, mm-hmm. which we get into a little bit later on, but yeah, it's a big thing in cults for sure. <laughs> yeah. According to the two men, this structure would usher in harmony and control despite the chaos of the 1980s, which was a period rife with uncertainty, global discord and rapid changes in technology. For instance, the first half of the decade was marked by a series of terrorist attacks, as well as an increasing tension between the United States and the Soviet Union. We live in 2021 right now. That doesn't seem like a lot. <laughs> Although I remember, I remember that you probably are too young to remember that, but I do. Very much. So yeah. I will age myself. Uh, <laughs> it, it was pretty scary. You know, you had not just the Soviet Union, but you also had uh, Gaddafi in Libya threatening mm-hmm. to fight with everybody. There was a bunch of tension everywhere and everybody was freaked out. And then on top of it, you had the whole stranger danger thing. And, you know, your parents are convinced (laughs) that you're going to be abducted and molested and murdered. So uh, this was the perfect time to create a cult and alleviate everybody's fear. That's true. Very true, actually. Yeah. And I've I've talked about this a few, like the 70s, 80s were a great time for that new age religious movement kind of thing. Yeah, no, great point and great perspective. Like, I guess from my point of view, we've always lived with nukes in my life. So it's been kind of a constant, I guess. So it's not like, it's not like it's a new thing. Um, we're just always in fear, my, my generation. <laughs> <laughs> Order and structure were necessary to get through these frightening world events. And ultimately, those who were subject to it would be able to survive the apocalyptic second coming of Christ, transported to a planet that was orbiting the star Cyrus, where they would live out a utopian afterlife. <laughs> My God. I mean, they're just hitting every box. It's amazing. Props for, props for creativity, though. <laughs> like, this is like Heaven's Gate level shit. Uh, exactly. Actually, this is, they're almost worse than Heaven's Gate in many ways. Mm-hmm. I think they kill more people, too. So anyway, we'll get into that. <laughs> but the Order of the Solar Temple swiftly gained notoriety across North America and Western Europe, thanks to lectures given by Luke in France, Switzerland, and Canada. He also created radio shows where he went into more detail about the various themes that he discussed during his presentations. Podcaster. (laughs) Yeah, radio show. Uh Uh-oh. Red flag. (laughs) Luke was the public face of the organization. However, everything behind the scenes was taken care of by Joseph. He reportedly charged existing members and potential ones hefty fees, claiming that they would prove their devotion to the order of the solar temple and its mission. These astronomical payments allowed him to live a lavish lifestyle, one filled with first-class airplane tickets and several luxury homes. There's another okay. checkbox. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, this is this is out of the handbook of how to start a cult, right? Like, it has yeah. to be. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely dealing money, you know, grifting a little bit. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> By 1990, the organization had managed to establish their core ideas and beliefs. For one thing, they referred to Jesus Christ as the solar god king and believed themselves to be working towards the unification of Christianity and Islam, which is a bold but noble cause, I suppose. (laughs) People have been trying that for years. Yeah, good luck. Also, I I love solar god king. That is a Mm. great, like, that is almost a superhero name for Jesus. (laughs) I feel like you need a shirt. A solar god king shirt. A solar god king shirt? I love that. All right. I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. (laughs) I'll, I'll get on that. <laughs> a hierarchy was also created within the Order of the Solar Temple, which was characterized by three different levels. 
with each bearing their own set of functions and responsibilities. The first structure was called the Amanta Club, and its goal was to expand the organization's reach, enabling certain individuals, or the quote-unquote spiritual elite, to reach a higher state of consciousness. To achieve this, they gave a series of lectures in Europe and North America, reaching as far as the Caribbean. The lectures given by the Amanta Club drew large numbers. However, only a few people were selected to be members of the spiritual elite. Was that based on how much you paid? Ah. <laughs> uh, Honestly, you're probably dead on of what it actually is. Yeah. It's probably, yeah, <laughs> correlating with, oh, you gave us $50? I don't think you're good enough. But you yeah. gave us $500. Come on in. <laughs> and I actually don't, I don't know the prices either. I'm just spitballing and it was probably way more than $500 if I was to oh, guess. Oh, for sure. The second structure within the Order of the Solar Temple was referred to as the Archidia Club. This level was exclusive only to the individuals who were able to completely absorb the basic knowledge and information imparted to them by those in the Amanta Club. These names are wildly hard to pronounce. (laughs) Yeah. The Archidia Club was geared towards providing members with deeper and more in-depth knowledge of the group's philosophies, ultimately allowing them to move towards a higher state of consciousness. Lastly... The Order of the Solar Temple's most restricted level was called the International Knighthood Organization. Way easier to say, but way longer. (laughs) Those who were able to attain this level were granted special privileges, including access to publications that only they were permitted to read and to activities that, that were exclusive to this structure. By this time, the Order of the Solar Temple had swelled to nearly 500 members, located across Europe and Canada. The majority of them donated astronomical sums to the organization in the belief that the money would be used to build health centers in their respective countries. Eric. Yeah. How are you feeling about the Order of the Solar Temple so far? Where do I sign up? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sadly, I don't think they're around anymore. I have all this cash I need to give away. Like, what do I do with it? I have so much money that I just, I I need it to be alleviated from. Uh, I think it's like, like we've said the whole time, you know, this is all out of the How to Start a Cult playbook and... (laughs) You know, I think that the the hindsight of it, we, we have the, the fortune of having hindsight because we can look back at this and, and see it happening. But I'm sure that the people that were hoping for some kind of spirituality or, you know, some kind of awakening out of it, they didn't really have the advantage of seeing everything from the view that we get right now. So, it's yeah. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty easy to be like, huh, those guys are crazy. But I don't know. I think anybody could become susceptible to being in a cult. Oh, absolutely. And I, I would I would never make fun of the victims of the cult in like the higher up level, like the knighthood ones. Yeah, they're they know the it the bullshit because they're getting the money probably. <laughs> exactly. But the people the people on the lower levels, like absolutely. They're they're I mean, and we're seeing it nowadays with social media and stuff. It's so easy to to get like radicalized to one group or another just because that's all the information you hear. And especially back in those days when there weren't cell phones and the internet. Uh, well, there was the internet, but it wasn't quite as accessible. It's very easy to get brainwashed. And when all you're hearing is this guy is our Lord and Savior, whatever. No, for sure. That's definitely a a thing to consider. Yeah, I I think too, you know, people, people that are susceptible to this kind of indoctrination, they're in a vulnerable situation, usually, you know, whether it's emotional or mental vulnerability, it's, it's pretty easy to, to find something like this. And and really hope that it could solve your problems. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, if 
if you're giving away all your money, then you're in financial issues and then you rely on the cult. So it's a, it's a fee, like a, uh, what's that called? Uh, yeah, it's like a vicious cycle. Vicious cycle. That's the word. Thank you. I'm losing it. <laughs> <laughs> in the early 1990s, the order of the solar temple went through several drastic changes. For one thing, Joseph de Marlboro began to be perceived as corrupt and dishonest, which led members to openly despising him. I wonder why. <laughs> Weird. Weird, yeah. <laughs> During the first few years of the organization, he had presented himself as, a, as the physical representative of the higher being that they revered. More importantly, he had claimed to be a vessel through which their divine messages were transmitted and communicated. However, the lavish lifestyle that he led rubbed members the wrong way, especially since they were forced to live humbly in order to contribute more money towards the organization. So... Say what you will, like these people are actually light years ahead of a lot of the other cults I've done. Like the the followers, they they understand that this is kind of, uh, he's kind of a grifter and maybe not the guy that they should be following, which kudos to them. Yeah. Well, anytime somebody's like, I'm the only one that gets the information and I get to tell you <laughs> what the information is and you have to believe it. That's like, you know, run away again. Get it. Get out yeah. of there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get out of there because uh, he is lying. <laughs> because of this, many began to question Joseph's mystical powers and the spiritual visions that were purportedly granted to him by the higher beings. Among his detractors, and perhaps the most outspoken ones, was his own son, Ali. After discovering that his father's visions were merely staged with the use of special effects and holograms, which is, wow, it was like a Michael Jackson concert. <laughs> Ali denounced him to the rest of the organization, which prompted the departure of at least 15 people. So kudos to his son. I just love that, <laughs> that this guy is like <laughs> doing all these theatrics to try to convince people. <laughs> and and let's be honest, like the graphics and the quality of holograms in the 1990s were nowhere near what they are today. So... <laughs> For people to be fooled by that is kind of baffling to me. Yeah, definitely. Well, definitely. Yeah. But I guess if you're already believing it, then you see something, you're already like, it just reaffirms it, I guess. While there were still a lot of members who doubted Ali's allegations and continued to believe that Joseph genuinely possessed mystical powers, the perceived changes in his attitude and personality led to even more questions about his authenticity. For instance... He had initially been open to receiving criticism and feedback from his followers, but as the years passed, he became increasingly authoritarian, demanding absolute and unconditional obedience. He desired total control of the organization and began to feel threatened by those he believed to be his competition. In fact, there were even members who accused him of attempting to drive a wedge between certain individuals in the group in an effort to grow his power. So he's basically the heel on every reality TV show. <laughs> and also basically what every other cult leader does. They become controlling, authoritarian, demanding, requiring unconditional uh, respect and support and love no matter what. You know, and then they create this whole isolation situation where they're isolating people. I mean, it's just they're all the same. Yeah, <laughs> they're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> Shh, don't tell my audience that. I oh, need a sorry, show. Sorry, they're not. They're different. <laughs> <laughs> they they do play by the same playbook. Yeah, for sure. Like, And Kate and I talked about this last time uh, from Ignorance Was Bliss. We talked about this last episode where it's, are, are they genuine in their beliefs when they started off or are they, well, she she thought they were all schizophrenic, which <laughs> which was a whole wild topic. And I, I believe that they might, some might start off with 
good wholehearted beliefs in changing the world. And then they get that taste of the money and the lifestyle and yada, yada, yada. And then they get scared that they're going to lose that. So they grip tighter, you know, <laughs> it's just, I, I definitely think that there's, there's gotta be some level of personality disorder for somebody to do, to, to start a cult and to create this whole thing. And, and, you know, I think narcissism is probably one of the predominant ones that you'll see. I'm not yeah. an expert. I'm not <laughs> a mental health expert, but you know, I do study murderers and, and crime and, and all of that is very similar. And which is why cults fascinate me because it's, it's the same kind of morbid curiosity about abnormal psychology that just blows my mind and also is just fascinating for some reason. Absolutely. No, it is. It is fascinating. And that's why I started the podcast and eventually cult, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> To add to all these misgivings was the absence of the health centers that the leaders of the Order of the Solar Temple originally promised to fulfill. This was in stark contrast to the rich and luxurious lifestyle that Joseph led, which spurred many to suspect that the funds that they were donating weren't actually going towards the public good. Insert Nicholas Cage, you don't say gif here. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Okay. Well, I'll find a way to do that audio-wise. <laughs> yeah. This led to a significant decrease in the amount of donations that the organization brought in. To be more specific, in 1991, the Order of the Solar Temple amassed nearly half a million Swiss francs. But in 1993, they were only able to collect 89,000. So that's a huge drop-off. And it's, it's very interesting to see the people in, within the cult turn so drastically against their leaders for stealing their money. But uh, Eric. Yes. Do you know who won't steal your money? Um, who? The wonderful people and products that sponsor the show. <laughs> That's right. They will give you money or they will give you products in exchange for currency. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was really awkward. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't That's good in okay. that. This episode of Let's Start a Cult is brought to you by Free Lunch Coffee. How do you feel about helping starving children with your morning coffee? Bold idea, right? Almost as bold as the coffee from freelunchcoffee.com. Free Lunch Coffee is on a mission to end hunger in the lives of young children. When you buy just one bag of Free Lunch Coffee, you are providing 10 meals to children in need. Their coffee is specialty grade, certified organic, and fair trade. Free Lunch Coffee is offering a 15% discount to my loyal listeners. Just go to freelunchcoffee.com, select the coffee you want, use the coupon code CULT at checkout, and help save lives. On top of all of this, if you don't absolutely love their coffee, they will give you a full refund. That's right, a full refund. So if you want great coffee at a great price for a great cause, go to freelunchcoffee.com and use the coupon code CULT at checkout. That's coupon code CULT at checkout. Thank you, Free Lunch Coffee, for sponsoring this episode. This episode of Let's Start a Cult is also brought to you by Cultivate. Cultivate is a card-driven pattern-building game from Pops and Beiju Games. Play as a cult leader working to fill your compound with followers to help you carry out your agenda. But watch out. Rival cult leaders may try to sabotage you or convert the followers you can't keep in line. You might also gain unwanted attention from pesky investigators who try to get in your way. Persuade the right followers, outwit your foes, and rise above the rest. The Kickstarter for Cultivate goes from now until March 28th. So go to Kickstarter and type in Cultivate to back the campaign or go to popsbeju.com to learn more. That's popsbeju, P-O-P-S-B-E-J-O-U.com for more information. Thanks to Cultivate for sponsoring this episode. 
probably shouldn't associate stealing with my advertisers, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, you, you live and learn. Just like Joseph lived and learned from being literal human garbage who swindled people out of money. Just kidding. I, he, he didn't. He <laughs> Quite the opposite, actually. Yeah, if he learned, we wouldn't be talking about him right now. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he definitely did not learn anything. As dissonance within the organization grew, Joseph became increasingly enraged, particularly because he was the subject of most of the criticisms. By then, the Order of the Solar Temple, along with many of its members, had relocated to the province of Quebec, Canada, to await the apocalypse. Instead of the second coming of Jesus Christ, however, they received something more sinister. And actually, this is a fun fact, there's been a theme for my past three episodes. It's been Quebec-themed, because there's a surprising amount of cults coming in Quebec. I just like to tell everybody that when I start my cult, it's going to happen. We're going to Costa Rica. We're not going to Quebec. I'm sorry. It's too cold. (laughs) (laughs) I want some sun and some beach, all that fun stuff. They have great bagels, though, and maple syrup. So It's still not enough for me. It's not enough. I'm sorry. That's that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of the second coming of Jesus Christ, they received something more sinister. That something more sinister is, in 1994, Antonio Duet and his wife Nikki welcomed a newborn son, whom they Christian christened Emmanuel. The couple were longtime devout members of the Order of the Solar Temple, but despite the religious fervor that they had displayed thus far, the name that they had chosen for their baby proved to be their downfall. The organization had believed that the birth of a godchild would be one of the earliest signs of the apocalypse, which meant that little Emmanuel Duet Duo, I don't know, Dutois, Dutois was quickly declared by Joseph as the Antichrist. He claimed that, his, that the entire family had to be murdered, an order that was obediently carried out by his followers Joel Egger and Dominique Belaton on September 30th, 1994. Yeah, so that's terrible, obviously. And I think, if I'm being honest, I think the only reason he did this was to try and get everyone off his back, being like, oh, the apocalypse is coming. Everyone freak out about that instead of worrying about how big my... I don't know, bed is, I don't know what you, how would he flex yeah. back then? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think the, the real thing here is if you're thinking about it from the perspective of he has all these people mad at him and what better way to get people to not be mad at you than to blame somebody else for the downfall of society, <laughs> right? Like that's, and, and who better to blame than a baby, which is, yeah. is disgusting and terrible because the baby can't speak for himself and you know the family unfortunately we were were innocent in this situation but it is it is classic narcissism at its finest you know shift the blame from me to somebody else so that i still look good yeah yeah and i mean innocent with an asterisk because i mean they were still in the religion they could have uh, you know bailed they out. didn't deserve to die they didn't deserve to no die, though. no absolutely not i'm not saying that <laughs> i'm just saying like the kid is definitely 100 percent innocent the parents you're like okay you didn't know it was coming but you knew it was right. kind of a weird cult that was not always in for the best interests of of yourself anyway absolutely four days after the local quebec authorities were called to investigate a burning chalet in the town of morin heights Inside, they discovered the charred remains of the Dutois couple, along with their three-month-old son. After an autopsy, it was determined that all of them had been stabbed with a wooden stake to death. Brutal. Yeah. At a nearby chalet, the bodies of Jerry and Colette Genode, who had both relocated from Switzerland to Canada, were also found. So this is kind of the, the start of the 
well, this is already tragic, but like the more tragic, like there's, there's way more that happens after this. And it, this is kind of the trickling effect of the dam breaking. Just when you thought it couldn't get worse. It does. <laughs> That's every cult. Oh God. Exactly. The horror was far from over. A few weeks later on October 5th, the tiny Swiss village of Sherry erupted into chaos when firefighters arrived at a farmhouse that was slowly going up in flames. Once the fire was contained, they stepped inside to investigate its cause, only to discover a total of 23 bodies scattered all over the place. They were all clothed in a strange ceremonial robes, with most sporting a single fatal gunshot wound in the head. Among the dead were several prominent figures, including Robert Ostigai, the mayor of Richelot in Quebec, the bodies of his wife, Francoise, and a reporter from Les Journaux de Quebec named Jocelyn Grand Mason were also found inside. So this is kind of crazy that like how far this went into society. Like it was mayors, uh, journalists, uh, like uh, prominent members of society were, were a part of this cult in, in Quebec in, in any way. And uh, I mean, it just goes to show like it can spread to people that we deem competent enough to run positions of government. I mean, I guess that's not a surprise to any of us after the last four years, but, <laughs> but yeah, just, this just goes to double down on that. I was going to say competent is a strong word to use to describe <laughs> politicians now. <laughs> oh, that's fair enough. I mean, I'd like to think Canada politicians are great, but this guy's proving that it's just as bad. So who, who's the uh, the MP or whatever his name is from? Uh, I think it's Toronto. Oh, uh, oh, you're talking about Ford. Yeah, that guy. He, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the the Ford that you guys all know is uh, he's dead. He died of. He died, right? Yeah, yeah. But his brother is now doing stuff, right? He's actually the premier of Ontario, which is <laughs> like our senator, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> oh, jeez. He's better, but not not by much. <laughs> I'll say that. Less than an hour later, two burning chalets were again reported, although this time they were located in the Canton Valley, which was located approximately 160 kilometers away from Sherry. The authorities were able to recover 25 bodies from these chalets, including that of Luke Jurette and Joseph de Marlboro. Wow. So they went down and with their cult. I mean, kudos, I guess. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think they get extra points for drama, maybe. <laughs> Because it was very dramatic. That's true. That's true. I mean, that's why I'm 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 surprised I don't hear more about this one. Like you hear about Heaven's Gate and and Jonestown, and like those ones were obviously horrifying. But this is definitely like it's up there on that level, if not higher than some of them. Like w- for spectacle wise, like every, they're just burning down, and there's just twenty to thirty people in these buildings. It's crazy. According to the website Swiss Info, quote: Several had been shot in the head or asphyxiated, and many had been drugged in what were apparently ritual murdered, although some were thought to have been willing participants in the supposed mass suicide, end quote. So they're saying like, a lot of them were probably forced into this. Let's, mm-hmm. let's be very clear. It was not all mass suicide, although there was probably, I don't know, I'd probably, I, won't, I don't even want to guess percentage-wise, but there was probably a good chunk of them that uh, w- willingly went along with this because their whole cult was the apocalypse is coming, they found the baby that starts the apocalypse. Uh, it, it's, it just checks in with like a lot of them probably believed it. Yeah, for sure. So it's like the apocalypse is coming. Time to bounce. Yep. We're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. This exact scene played out once more on December 23rd, 1995, 
when 16 bodies were discovered in the Vericor mountain range in France. Among those recovered from here was Edith Bonlot, a celebrated Olympian who competed in the 1956 World Winter Olympics. As news of these horrifying deaths spread across the globe, the world's eyes turned to the Order of the Solar Temple and the sinister secrets that it was hiding. <sighs> heavy stuff. That was a lot. That was a lot. Yeah, it's heavy. Not the worst I've been through, but <laughs> but it's up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just a waste of life. So many people that were contributing to society, like the Olympians, journalists, like there was people that were doing hopefully good in the world. I, I don't know. I can't say they were, but hopefully they wanted to do good and that's why they joined. And it's just kind of sad to see that their lives were cut short because of two crazy guys who wanted to make money. Yeah. Every time something like this happens, it's just so frustrating because you just wish that somebody would have stepped in and said, no, turn around, yeah. get out of there. It's just heartbreaking, especially when you think about children being murdered and. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, I yeah, wish that's I, a lot. I wish I could create an maybe an anti cult. Maybe I'll do an anti cult instead of a cult. Yeah, sadly, anti cults always turn into cults. <laughs> Damn, there's nothing to form around when you're just like we hate everything. <laughs> and and sadly, we will never know like why they did it because I mean, both Luke and and Joseph were among those who had died inside the chalet in Switzerland. And the authorities were unable to discover exactly why the Order of the Solar Temple had chosen to kill themselves. Had they believed that the apocalypse was imminent? Did they want to transcend the chaos that the world was experiencing? Or were they all just duped in committing suicide by a leader whom they looked up to? We'll never know the answers to these questions. What we do know is what started out as an organization dedicated to the New Age ended in the tragic deaths of a three-month-old baby, his parents, and more than 50 of the group's members. And that... Is Order of the Solar Temple. Bummer, man. That's a major bummer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a bummer. I really wanted to do this one because I don't hear enough about it. They've made documentaries and docuseries about all kinds of other ones. And it seems like this one was left out because it wasn't in America, which, fair, you guys love yourselves. That's, (laughs) but Europe and Canada experienced this one pretty hard. Like, Definitely Quebec and, and Switzerland and France, like they, they were hit pretty hard by this and in, in the communities that it happened in. Just imagine, I mean, 25 members in your community just going, just gone tomorrow. Like that's. Well, I, I think you're, you're right, though. This does have a lot of the same elements when you think about a Heaven's Gate or any of the other more widely known cults. You know, you have that messianic kind of predisposition end of the world situation and then mass murder, mass suicide, it's up there and it it definitely should be, it should be looked at more than it, than it was. And I'll be honest, you know, I, I knew being an American, I knew about heaven's gate. I knew about the branch Davidians. I knew about all these other cults that were happening in in my backyard. And we knew about Jim Jones because that was so massive and insane. But this thing, like, I don't remember this. And in the 90s, I was a teenager, so I I should have been aware of it, especially knowing the fact that I'm, like, into all kinds of weird shit like this, and I always have been. <laughs> you know, so I didn't learn about this until much later in adulthood when I started really getting into podcasts and, and heard a couple of them about this. But you did a phenomenal job telling the story. I'm 
now questioning my life choices and do I really want to start a cult? <laughs> well, here's what you could do. You could you can start a cult and then make it a democratic cult. That way, if you become too powerful, they can just vote you out. But how am I going to become megalomaniacal? <laughs> like, how is that going to happen if people can control me? These are conflicting. Like these are conflicting <laughs> <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Then just do it. I don't know. <laughs> you could probably do it with your podcast audience now. Just say, hey, we're going to, where'd you say you want to go? The Caribbean? Costa Rica. <laughs> Costa, Costa Rica. Rica. That's where it was. We're going to Costa Rica. Let's, uh, everyone meet me down there. We'll, we'll just take over a town and it'll be ours. It's, I think that's what you should do. <laughs> now, Eric, before we end off the show today, we have a pretty, you know, pretty fucked up segment called Cult Critique. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of the show, but I'm also a little fucked up, you know? <laughs> Basically, my guests and I take a look at the cult we just discussed. We give it a rating out of five stars, as if you were rating something on Yelp. <laughs> and we give comments on why we gave them that rating, as if you were writing a cult review, we're doing, or a okay. Yelp review, but we're doing it for cults. <laughs> Does that sound good to you? Are you are you ready to... Yeah, I'm on board. Let's do join it. Join the terribleness? Yes. <laughs> so, Eric, out of five stars... What would you give the Order of the Solar Temple and why? I will give them three stars. Okay. I will give them three stars because I feel like it's all so predictable. We, we kind of knew what was happening. We knew, and you know, it would have been two stars if it wasn't for all the drama and flash and pizzazz. <laughs> so it's all flash and no substance. Three right. stars. Do, do not recommend. Do, do, please do not go to... Uh, <laughs> They spit in my soup. <laughs> no, I I agree with that. That that one's a. I I was gonna say two stars, but you you bumped me up to a three with that with that statement of uh, the, the almost entertaining way that they took it in the holograms and whatever else it was. Yeah, and I feel like Demombro was like so ostentatious about everything. Like you kind of have to appreciate that and respect that. It's kind of like uh, you know like. An entertainer. You you want them to be over the top. So you want your cult leader to be over the top as well. And they were also really good at naming things. I want to put that on the on the for the three stars. They they their name of the cult was excellent. Their name for Jesus, excellent. Their name for their level tiers were excellent. Like they they nailed the naming thing. And if that if that's all it was, then they would be killing it right now. Because I mean Jonestown, like the, the People's Temple is kind of boring and like church of bible understanding like they're all they're all kind of boring but the order of the solar temple yeah. that's one i'd be interested <laughs> that's pretty rad yeah 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 for sure well thank you everyone for listening eric please tell my audience about true consequences and where they can find it so true consequences is all about true crime in new mexico and the american desert southwest you can find it wherever you get your podcast i also have another show called dos pequeños uh i'll spell it for you because you may not be able to do it <laughs> if i don't it's uh, D-O-S. S-P-O-O-K-Q-U-E-N-O-S, which is a paranormal comedy uh, podcast based in New Mexico. And I do that with my good friend, Alex. And I have a third one coming out, but I won't talk about it yet because it's not ready to to, to launch. But Dos Pequeños, True Consequences can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. And I'm really glad you spelled that one because that is not how I would have spelled it. <laughs> but that's awesome. I, I, and so clearly you're very into the true crime like aspect of, of podcasting. Can you... It, little hint is your new one about true crime or is it completely different from from that just a little spoiler it's a 
Yeah, it's a complete departure. So it's Ooh. you're you're making me do it. So I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna talk about it. So it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's called Great, and uh, the subtitle is A Laugh at Life, and it's just me and Alex talking about things in life that are either great or not so great, depending on on what we're talking about. It's going to be very casual, just a conversation between two friends. So nothing that's going to require a lot of research because I, <laughs> I have enough of that on my hands right now. <laughs> that's fair enough. I do one and that's enough. <laughs> but uh, that's awesome. Is And now I have to ask, is, is Tony the Tiger your mascot for that podcast uh no because i don't want to get sued by kellogg's <laughs> fair enough you should look for a sponsorship with them because that sounds like a, a great sponsorship <laughs> i might have anthony the tigon or something oh there you go have him as like a recurring guest i'll play him i'll play him. <laughs> okay it sounds great <laughs> pun intended if you are loving this podcast be sure to give us a review and tell your friends about it if you want to keep up to date with the podcast you can follow us on twitter and instagram at let's underscore cult you can follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash let's start a cult pod, or you can go to let's start a cult podcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. Thank you, Fred, for listening. And thank you, Eric, for coming on today. We will see you next time. Bye, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and... Best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com slash cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show.